one of the very real, very great challenges we face in life is how to deal with people who are mean or harsh or even evil. And often when we feel that we've been wronged or when we see that a wrong is being done, our instinct is to push back. Our natural inclination is to pursue the way of retaliation, strong retaliation, and sometimes even revenge. And to right a perceived wrong, we even can take brutal physical action. And yet we have to ask, is this the way of Jesus? In that video clip we just watched from the movie Witness, we saw some Amish people choose not to retaliate physically to harassment from a local bully. And we saw Detective John Book deal with that bully by beating him up. No one likes a bully. I certainly don't. And I wonder how you felt as that scene unfolded. I vividly remember sitting in a crowded movie theater when that picture was released And when Book took out that hoodlum, the entire place cheered. And I was cheering too. And yet the Amish man tried to prevent it. He said, it's not our way. Book said, but it's my way. And that's the issue. Which response, which way is closer to the heart of Jesus? What does he have to say about this issue in the Sermon on the Mount? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, as part of his sermon, Jesus has been redefining various parts of the Old Testament laws. And here he cites a law that we find in different places in the Old Testament. We can find it in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy in slightly different forms. And it's a law given by God to establish a principle, the principle of proportional justice. If you take my eye or tooth, I take yours. No more, no less. And it's not really about eyes or teeth. It's about how to address a wrong. God is saying that justice and retribution should be in proportion to the wrong that was done. God wants his people to know that justice must have boundaries to prevent uncontrolled, violent retaliation. Now, this particular law was part of Israel's civil code, and it was an instruction for the courts. The purpose was to teach Israel that justice would be carried out not through individuals, but through a legal system. By following guidelines given by God, impartial courts could administer justice more fairly than individuals who had been wrong. 
And I think we understand that it's essential to have an impartial legal system because when people carry out their own justice, emotions get in the way. And it's almost impossible to be objective. And that's why justice in the hands of individuals can lead to things like vigilantes and vengeance and family feuds. God gave this instruction because he wanted to spare his children from the cycle of violence that so often can result from pursuing personal retribution. Here's the great tragedy. The very thing that God wanted to avoid, justice in the hands of individuals, was what the Pharisees taught. And as a result, people felt entitled to personally retaliate to any wrong. They said, it's up to us. And that was unhealthy for individuals, and it was unhealthy for civil society. Jesus is challenging this incorrect application of God's law, and he doesn't deny the need for impartial justice. What he's doing is challenging men and women to shift their focus, and he does so by asking his followers to do something radical. Something very radical. Based on what Jesus says here in verses 39 to 41, if someone does me harm, even if they are an evil person, my first response should not be physical or legal retaliation. My first response ought to be, how can I give more than asked or demanded. Now that's radical. And that's hard because that's not our way. And yet it's the way of Jesus. Jesus is not saying here, don't retaliate. He's saying retaliate differently. Retaliate with love. He wants us to retaliate with love because only the generosity of love has the power to transform us and others. We need to be clear that Jesus is speaking about the role of individuals here, not the role of the state. In Romans chapter 13, the apostle Paul says that God gives the state the power and authority to punish those who do evil. Not you, not me, the state. And so the legal actions of the state and the personal behavior of individuals, those are two different, two different issues. And Jesus is speaking to individuals here, not to courts. And he is saying to men and women, this is how you should live if you want to follow me. And he gives three very specific examples of how we can express loving retaliation when we have been wronged. We can turn the other cheek We can give more than is required if we are sued, and we can go the extra mile. And as we consider these examples, 
We need to remember that Jesus is preaching to people who have been trained to learn and follow the religious rules. Their natural inclination would be to think, oh, Jesus is removing one set of rules and replacing it with another set of rules. That would be incorrect thinking. If we treat this as simply a set of rules, we'll miss the point. And here's an example. Back in the days of the Wild West, there was a man named Joby who was an itinerant preacher, and he went from frontier town to town preaching revivals. And he was known for his fiery preaching, but also for his dramatic conversion story, because as a young man, he'd been very wild and had been a noted fighter and brawler. In one famous case, he nearly destroyed a saloon when he initiated a brawl. And so on one particular occasion, Joby, this former fighter and brawler turned preacher, shows up in the little town of Tumbleweed to hold a revival. One of the local bullies wants to embarrass him and provoke a scene. So he comes up and says, hey, preacher, do you still know how to fight? Boom! He decks him. Joby calmly gets up, dusts himself off, faces the man and Invites him to take another swing. Boom! Man puts Joby down again. Once again, Joby gets up, dusts himself off. And by this time, a crowd is gathered. And Joby said, Jesus told us to turn the other cheek. I've done that. But Jesus gave no further instructions. <laughs> and he turns... Boom! And with one blow, he knocks out the bully. Joby missed the point. <laughs> Jesus is not saying, give the other guy two free punches and then clean his clock. <laughs> Jesus is not giving us rules. He's giving us principles. Principles that should flow from hearts and lives that have been transformed by the love of God. And we've been transformed in such a way that we choose to love other people with God's love and we look for opportunities to put that love into action. And these principles make it so clear that the way of Jesus is so very different from our way. And when we're willing to embrace the way of Jesus, it will transform our relationships. When we embrace the way of Jesus and we are wronged, we will retaliate not with anger, not with hate, not with force, not with lawsuits, but with love. A love that willingly gives more than asked or demanded. It's not easy to do. And it's not easy to do when people misuse and abuse their power to take advantage of us or humiliate us. And the kind of things that Jesus is describing here would naturally provoke anger. They're humiliating. If somebody slaps me on the cheek, that's humiliating. And in fact, in Jesus' day, if you were slapped on the right cheek, it was considered a mortal insult. And yet Jesus says, take it take it. And why would he do that? Because he knows that physical retaliation initiates a cycle of violence while love has the power to transform.
In a similar way, if someone sues me and hauls me into court, I shouldn't settle up for just the amount that's asked. I should go beyond what's demanded and offer more. Now, from a legal standpoint and a personal standpoint, that makes zero sense. It only makes sense when we view it from God's perspective. Because he knows that a generous love has the power to transform relationships. And what Jesus is saying here is hard and serious. And if we take him seriously, if we believe that he means what he says, then we are faced with a very clear, very difficult choice. When we have been wronged, are we going to respond our way or Jesus' way? My friend Larry was very much impacted by Jesus' teaching here. And he once had the challenging opportunity to live it out because he was hauled into small claims court by a contentious neighbor named Jesse. And the judge found that my friend Larry was liable and ordered him to pay $1,500. And Larry said, Your Honor, I really want to set things right with Jesse. And so in addition, I want to pay him for his time in trouble. And so he did not write a check for $1,500. He wrote a check for $2,000. The judge was shocked. Jesse was shocked. And that act of loving generosity changed Larry's relationship with Jesse. They actually became friends. You see, bitterness when we lose and don't get our way doesn't change anything. Love and only love has the power and the potential to transform us and others. Jesus is giving us radical teaching as a goad to move us beyond our self-centered nature, even when we believe we had valid reasons to be angry or hurt or even full of hate. And that's why he says, turn the other cheek. It's why he says, give more than is demanded. And that's why he says, go the extra mile. And that particular phrase may not have much meaning to us, but it's not a metaphor. It is a statement with profound, deep, emotional meaning for everybody listening to Jesus at that moment. The roads in Israel were marked by milestones. And any Roman soldier could demand that any Jew carry his pack from one mile marker to the next. And that law was created specifically to humiliate the Jews. It was a way for the Romans to routinely demonstrate, we're the masters, and you have to do what we say. And every time a Jew had to carry a pack for a soldier, it was an assault on their dignity. They would have every right to be angry about that. And yet Jesus urges his followers here to do something that goes against every fiber of their being. He says when you're carrying a pack and you reach that mile marker, you volunteer to carry it an extra mile. I think Jesus is saying, I want you to shock that soldier. Shock him to the depths of his being by retaliating to his brutal arrogance, not with anger, not with hatred but with loving generosity. You and I don't face 
that same kind of situation today, but I think there's a universal timeless principle here. Anytime we're forced to do anything against our will, we should look for a way to retaliate with a generous act of love. So Jesus gives us here three very specific examples, and in verse 42, he offers another example, but it's, it's a different kind of example. He talks about giving to those in need. And that's a different situation because in that kind of relationship, the power has shifted. In the first three examples, someone is trying to use their power and exert their influence over us, and Jesus says, don't retaliate harshly. In this last example, another person wants something from us, so we have power. And under the principle of eye for eye and tooth for tooth, we can ignore them because there's no wrong that needs to be addressed. They're just asking me for something. And yet, even though in that situation there's no wrong to be addressed, even though in that situation we have the power, Jesus says the way of love still applies. And so when we encounter someone in need, we don't ignore them. We don't turn away from them. We try to find ways to give from what we have to help those who don't have. And this principle can apply to anyone that we come in contact with. Family and friends, neighbors. How about the homeless? How do you and I respond when a homeless person asks us for help? I I freely admit that I don't always know how best to help the homeless. But based on what Jesus says here, I recognize that I cannot allow myself to always instinctively say no when they ask for help. And whatever the reasons for their situation, they are a human being made in the image of God and they have a need. And I need to pray and say, God, help me know how best to try and meet that need. To respond with love. Again, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. To habitually turn away is not the way of Jesus. Jesus is painting a very different picture here of what it means to be strong. We think of physical retaliation as strong and not responding as somehow wimpy or weak. Jesus is not painting a picture of people who are wimps or weaklings. He's painting a picture of a man or woman whose character is formed by faith and whose faith is shaped by love. Men and women whose faith and love is strong enough so that we do not need to physically retaliate or demand justice or selfishly cling to our stuff in order to vindicate ourselves or to feel good about ourselves. Jesus is describing disciples, men and women who trust Him, who follow Him, and as a result, are willing to love even when the cost is high. This is hard. It's radical stuff. It's not easy to embrace what Jesus is saying here. And and you know what's really hard? He's not done yet. (laughs) He's going to push things a step farther. 
to let us know that he wants us to demonstrate a love that truly is incomprehensible. Let's look at what he says next, starting in verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So Jesus here addresses another part of the Old Testament law that sadly was being misused and misquoted by the teachers of his day. The original command from God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now that sets a pretty high standard for loving because it requires me to think about what I need and what I want from other people, and then to respond to them appropriately, to treat others in a similar way. And yet the Pharisees took out the phrase, as you love yourself. They just taught, love your neighbor. That's a lot more nebulous. They lowered the standard for loving. And then they added the phrase, hate your enemies, which never was part of God's original command. And so they transform this command. They made it easier not to love and easier to hate. Jesus is reminding people here that God's law is shaped by love. Love for all people. Even love for someone that's an enemy. And so if we do have someone that's an enemy, Jesus doesn't want us to hate them. He wants us to actively love them and even pray for them. And he says that's the kind of behavior that characterizes a child of God. He says that God actively demonstrates his love and care for all people by providing the sun and the rain and all the other elements of of nature. He gives those things indiscriminately. Those benefits are for everyone, not just people of faith. And in a similar way, we're asked to care for the people around us. I think Jesus is saying, are you willing to follow the way of your heavenly Father? And the thing that makes it so hard is, as Jesus points out, our instinct is limited in this area. Our instinct is to love the people who are like us. And so we love members of our family, maybe, We love our friends, perhaps some of our neighbors. We love people whose politics line up with ours. And yet Jesus says, even though notoriously corrupt tax collectors, they know how to love like that. Even pagan, ungodly people know how to love like that. So Jesus is urging his followers, don't love more love differently. Love differently. After all, why should people believe that our faith makes a difference if our love's love looks just like the love that everyone else expresses? 
that's why Jesus asks us to do something that truly is incomprehensible, to love our enemies. And in the earlier verses, he explained how to do that. We retaliate with love by turning the other cheek, by giving more than asked or demanded, by going the extra mile. You and I actually can retaliate to people with an incomprehensible love, a love that has the power to transform us and transform others, even our enemies. And Jesus sums all this up with a challenge to be perfect. He's not, he's not saying to be perfectly flawless because we know that's impossible. The idea here is to be perfectly complete and mature. He's telling us that a spiritually mature person does not need to physically retaliate. A mature person does not need to hate. Spiritually mature people trust God and find their identity in God and their purpose in God and their self-worth in God. And so as we become more mature, as we become more faithful disciples, we can, in fact, do what's incomprehensible. We can love and pray for our enemies. And we can do it with sincerity when we choose to live not in our way, but in God's way. I spent a lot of time this week wrestling with this text. It makes me very uncomfortable. And I found myself asking this question, what does is, what is this part of the Sermon on the Mount look like in real life? Where can we find an example of this principle of loving your enemies in action? And I think that one of the greatest modern examples was offered by the Reverend Martin Luther King. If anyone ever had an excuse to view whites as the enemy, it was Reverend King, because as a black man, he and his people were mistreated. For more than 200 years, blacks were slaves in this country. And as Dr. King was becoming more prominent in the 1950s and 1960s, there were still many parts of our nation where blacks were treated as second-class citizens. Blacks and whites couldn't drink from the same water fountain. They couldn't sit at the same lunch counter. They wanted to go into a public place like a library or hotel. They had to use separate, separate entrances. These and many other things were degrading and humiliating. And Dr. King wanted to end those injustices. And yet simply for demanding that blacks be treated equally under the law, he was hated and attacked. His house was bombed. He was jailed more than 20 times. And for more than 13 years, he lived under constant death threats. And here's what moves me. With every reason to hate, he chose not to respond in the normal human way. He chose to respond in the way of Jesus. He resolved to love his enemies. He made the conscious decision to live without bitterness or a desire for revenge. And so he did issue a stirring call for action, a call for justice, but he did not preach about physical retaliation. He preached about retaliating with love, the transforming love 
of Jesus Christ. One of his most powerful sermons was written in a jail cell and then later preached at a church in Montgomery, Alabama. The sermon was called Loving Your Enemies and it was based on this passage that we've just looked at together. And it was an invitation for Christians to follow the way of Jesus. And among other things, Reverend King, our brother in Christ said this. Force leads to force. Hate to hate. It's a descending spiral that destroys everyone. Hate destroys the hater as well as the hated. So Jesus tells us to love. We need to respond to our enemies with love because love is the only creative, redemptive, transforming power in the universe. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. And toward the end of his message, he said, I'm foolish enough to believe that through the power of this love, men of the most recalcitrant bent will be transformed. And then we will be in the kingdom of God. And we will be able to matriculate into the university of eternal life, knowing that we had the power to love our enemies, to bless those persons who cursed us, to even decide to be good to those persons who hated us. And we even prayed for those persons who despitefully used us. Challenging words. Words that are hard to live up to. But words that describe the way of Jesus. Words that remind us that we are invited to retaliate to wrongs with an incomprehensible love. And it's not an easy way because it's not our way. And because it's not our way, we can find it so very convenient to overlook these words from Jesus. We can find it easy to ignore what he says, to explain it away, or to qualify his words in such a way that we sap them of their vitality. But the very clear bottom line of what Jesus is saying here to you and to me, is when you are facing wrong, don't respond your way. Respond my way. And the question for each of us is this, whose way will we choose?